and welcome to Poetry Blokes, the podcast where one bloke likes poetry and the other doesn't. I'm Matthew Adamo, failed novelist, third-rate poet, and now a beleaguered poetry teacher. And I'm Rich Gochran, a moderately successful engineer and lifelong lover of things that actually matter, like football, cricket, and the ability to make stuff out of wood. I don't hate poetry, but I do think it's a lot of words in a confusing order to say very little. Join us in this series of podcasts as we rummage into the recesses of Rich's mind, pull forth any literary force that may be lying dormant, and see if the world's most literal man can acquire the soul of a poet. He doesn't even believe in souls, so I've got my work cut out already. In this episode, we're looking at Famous by Naomi Shihab Nye. The river is famous to the fish. The loud voice is famous to silence, which knew it would inherit the earth before anybody said so. The cat sleeping on the fence is famous to the birds watching him from the birdhouse. The tear is famous, briefly, to the cheek. The idea you carry close to your bosom is famous to your bosom. The boot is famous to the earth more famous than the dress shoe, which is famous only to flaws. The bent photograph is famous to the one who carries it, and not at all famous to the one who is pictured. I want to be famous to shuffling men who smile while crossing streets, sticky children in grocery lines, famous as the one who smiled back. I want to be famous in the way a pulley is famous, or a buttonhole not because it did anything spectacular, but because it never forgot what it could do. So, Rich, what's that all about? I've got to tell you, I quite like this one. Okay, good. So it's a nice sort of upbeat change from Caroline Duffy, who sort of dragged you down into narcissism. <laughs> yeah, we had a bad week last week. <laughs> I think we were both a bit off the pace. <laughs> yeah, we, we we weren't in a good place, not in the place we needed to be to do a proper analysis. <laughs> but today, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I'll tell you what it made me think of. Um, it made me think of that sort of trope in films where somebody goes to speak to an oracle or like a village elder and they give them some sort of advice or wise sort of sage sort of prophecy that sounds really wise but actually makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> so that's what i liked about it i sort of read it as a this is completely insane i don't really know what's going on but i'm enjoying it and i enjoyed it from the off she had me with the first line don't know why i find it funny but the opening night the river is famous to the fish i think it's just a funny way to start a poem it's pretty good just open with the fish i like the oracle idea particularly with some of these lines like you went to the oracle and the oracle said, the boot is famous to the earth. And you left. Yeah. And you were like, yeah. Yeah, it what, is. Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> how's that relevant to me? <laughs> I like the idea that you're doing it like in some sort of myth, like it's you're on some sort of quest. And then you yeah. go to the oracle and they say, the boot is famous to the earth. And you're like, it doesn't help me at all. I mean, they, <laughs> like, I, I, they're, gor- they're gorgons. Asking, they're running rampant. People are, people are dying, for God's sake. You just tell me the boots. I was asking where the Holy Grail was, for <laughs> God's sake. famous to the earth. What is that? What is that? Yeah. The river is famous to the fish. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> we don't live near a river. <laughs> <laughs> Which river? I'll do my normal analysis, but 
I don't think I understood it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I good. I may have missed quite a lot of the points. Okay. Um, but I had I had fun reading it. So when she says the river is famous to the fish, what do you think that means? Not the foggiest ideas, <laughs> because I think all rivers are famous. What? And not only to fish, <laughs> but to actual history. <laughs> yeah, there's no unnamed rivers. There's no like non-famous rivers, is there? They're all famous. Well, I guess it depends. I mean, there are rivers in the world that you don't know or you don't know the name of. But somebody knows them and somebody knows the name. Okay, so that's the level of fame that we're talking about because the, yeah. the level of fame is, is sort of at play in this poem, like up for discussion or is a theme thereof. Right, okay. Good point. Hadn't really thought about the level of fame. To be honest, after a while, I just exchanged the word famous for known in my brain because I found saying famous was just confusing. So if I just change the word to known throughout the scan <laughs> well, for me. <laughs> well, talking of themes, this is a recurring theme, which is whereby you change the poem to make it something you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got I had this in rhyme with the Ancient Mariner where you sort of just skipped and eliminated several parts that you, you declared didn't make any sense. Mm. Well, buckle up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but well, actually, a good starting point is, are any of the things she mentions in this poem famous? Well, no, I mean, no, not in the sort of... Kardashian, Pele, <laughs> Card- B, Cardi, Cardi B style, Cardi. Yeah, not in terms of sort of modern celebrity. They're not, but I, I mean, I didn't take it to mean that. I took famous to be known as as known, like something being known to something else. And she sort of said famous for that. I quite like the loud voices famous to silence, which knew it would inherit the earth before anybody said so. It's almost sort of personifying silence there. And the loud voice comes along and silence is like, oh, here he is. Here he is. <laughs> here he is again. I knew he'd come, but it doesn't matter. Because- I was a bit distressed about that particular stanza. Distressed? Yeah, because I've been labouring under the false pretense that the meek were going to inherit the earth. And now Naomi's telling me otherwise. She's telling me it's the loud voices that are going to inherit the earth. And that's not what I was previously told. That's not how I've been educated to date. Well, is... That stanza referring to the loud voice or the silence? Well, hang on, let me just read it. The loud voice is famous to silence, which knew it would inherit the earth before anybody said so. I see what you mean. Now you're saying that the silence is the thing that's going to inherit the earth, which means the meekness was in fact true. Well, we're screwed either way because we're we're neither silent nor meek. So we're not inheriting anything. How dare you? (laughs) Just because you've got a bad eye. I don't know why you've got to bring my eyes in. <laughs> it's just because you opened this call with, uh, I've got a slightly strained eye. <laughs> it's, just really, it's really set the tone. Now that I'm in my 30s, uh, I can't even sleep without pulling something. Yeah, he strained his eye getting into bed. <laughs> oh dear. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm wearing glasses today. I'm not sure if this is a further development of the dry eye situation and if I'm entering a new stage. Or if it's just a one-off injury that will heal with time. If anybody's interested in Rich's dry eye condition, please listen to our John Betjeman episode where we go into the condition of dry eye at length. Unnecessary detail. Unnecessary as, detail. As it's been fed back to me. <laughs> um, oh, I, I meant to tell you actually, sorry, a little bit more on the content of dry eye. My brother texted me the other day and said he just got back to the, from, just got back from the opticians. And he has been diagnosed with dry eye. Oh, so it runs in the family. Yeah, it's hereditary. Oh, my God. I think he has a slightly different version to me. Apparently, there's nuance to dry eye. His is something to do with blocked tear duct. 
So um, <laughs> he can't cry. He's not, he can't <laughs> cry. He literally can't cry, which makes yeah makes sense. He's always been very stoic. The man with no tears. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there you go. A little update for you. I also quite like the cat sleeping on the fence is famous to the birds watching him from the birdhouse. Um, I think that line is probably one of the, the most telling in terms of the way this poem is framing the concept of famous. Okay. Let's tell you how I read it. Well, first of all, I thought cat sleeping on the fence is famous to the birds. I thought, yep, that makes sense. They're going to have spotted him, particularly if they frequent the same garden regularly. A wily bird is going to know where the local cat is. Watching him from the birdhouse, that's good. He's in a stronghold, best place to be. Can't get you in there. In the case of my garden in particular, it would be very short-lived fame because I don't reckon any birds last longer than a day but your, in my garden. Your the garden's like a... Vicious. Isn't your garden like a sort of uh, centre of a turf war between local cats? Uh, and me. I'm involved in that turf war. Oh, have you picked a side? We're, we're currently in an uneasy truce, me and next door's cat. Is it just next door's cats? Uh, next door's cats are the main, my main enemy. Okay. All cats, really. Sorry for the cat lovers out there. I do like cats, but they have an arrogance that when they're walking through my property, I find irritating. <laughs> I would like them to show some deference, pay a toll. Okay, three belligerents in this dispute. There were yeah. birds, cats, and rich. So how did you insert yourself into this conflict, into, this, into nature's conflict between cats and birds? Okay, so let's start with the cats. Number one, I have a gravel driveway, as you're aware. The cats like to S in my driveway. <laughs> Those cheeky cats. To be fair to them, it does look like a massive litter. You think their eyes like that massive like saucers when they see it and they're like, look at that. Just a huge litter box. And they just go yeah, wild. Well, I think it's more vindictive than that. Because sometimes I go out the door and they're looking <laughs> they're looking dead in my eyes as I <laughs> catch them doing it. And I think, you cheeky little sod. Um so have you tried repaying them in kind? You see, you see them in their garden, just lock eyes and they just pop over, trousers down. That's a real power play. Take that. I'm not sure my neighbours would... I'm trying to maintain good relations. <laughs> Strong eye contact um, throughout. Yeah. But what the cats do do is keep the... Do-do. <laughs> <laughs> so childish. <laughs> what the cats do, in fact, do <laughs> is keep the bird population, mainly pigeons, to a minimum. Now... The pigeons angered me because I bought a new car <laughs> and they took to nesting on top of my car. Not nesting, just sort of hanging out. They were just turd all over it <laughs> and then fly off. So it was an absolutely acceptable thing to do. But the cats are at war with them. So it's, it's very much an enemy of my enemy. Yeah. Is my friend. Yeah. And so that's where me and the cats are right now. When you said you were angry at birds, I had a mental image of you just standing in your garden, just shaking your fist at the <laughs> birds like overhead, like an angry old man. Yeah. Not all birds. It's mainly, it, to be fair, it's the pigeons. We also have red kites who, who are, are pretty spectacular. Respectful. Very noisy, but they are quite the spectacle. So they, they are welcome to, to hang out. We also have some blackbirds. They're fine. We had a crow the other day. Bigger than you think. <laughs> how big do I think they are? <laughs> okay. How big do you think a, a crow is from, from beak to... <laughs> what, what am I measuring this in? How do you... Well, how do you measure a crow? <laughs> measure it in a smaller <laughs> birds. Yeah, I, okay. I, I think a crow <laughs> from beak, what it, beak to tail, did you say? Beak to tail, yeah. I think a crow beak to tail is five starlings. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just said about 1.75 pigeons. <laughs> Do you have a premier product or sensational service that Poetry Bloke listeners would love? Advertise with us to reach an audience who love to laugh, are obviously very cool and sophisticated, and have immaculate taste. I mean, they're here listening to this gold, aren't they? Go to poetryblokes.com forward slash advertising to advertise with us today. So in many ways, the pigeons, the birds and the cats are famous to you because they are the main characters in your life yeah yeah so probably that is your life so probably is your back garden and i actually think that is sort of the point that nai is getting to in this poem yeah it's that the breadth of your world is probably narrower than you think therefore the so-called minor actors within it are actually famous to you because you're only focusing on say i don't know five to ten things five to ten people so using the examples of the animals cats and birds you know they are major characters in one another's lives because uh that's their main focus right yeah, yeah and that's sort of what she's playing on here throughout the poem one of the things about the fame that we sort of mentioned earlier is that there's there's no she doesn't have any concept of there being an, an objective fame like we were saying earlier there's no like status of fame in this poem or like reaching a certain level and then becoming famous everything Even is contextual knows you you're famous Today's beer that I'm drinking during this record is Good Old Boy by the West Berkshire Brewing Company, where I also went today for lunch. I recommend it highly. It's an excellent brewery. They've got some excellent beers. And lunch there is is really nice. And it's local. Local for locals. By local. So Nye sort of presents, like there's an ordinary element to fame in her poem. So she's sort of counterpointing our general consideration of fame against her consideration of fame, which is a bit more day-to-day. She sort of creates a, like a functional fame where someone, someone, who, someone or something who fulfills a role or a job is famous for doing so. It's, a, it's an interesting idea. I'm not sure it's worth writing about, <laughs> but it's an interesting idea. So the next line, the tear is famous briefly to the cheek. Fine. You're okay with that one? No analysis Tick. needed. The idea you carry close to your bosom is famous to your bosom. So even ideas are famous. Well, yeah. I suppose so ideas are famous, aren't they? Relativity, for example. <laughs> That's quite famous. Quite a famous idea. Gravity. Yeah. I've gone for two scientific ones. I probably need something else. Total football. <laughs> yeah, Cruyff. Total war. If this is an interesting one because the idea you carry close to your bosom is famous to your bosom, but of course you don't carry ideas literally next to your bosom. On my notes I've written, do you have any ideas close to your bosom currently that you'd like to share with us? With me, ideas close to my bosom. I'm uh, No, I'm feeling fairly good though because I, I've built two <laughs> very simple flat pack items of furniture today. Oh, congratulations. Those are my ideas. For anyone who's curious, I put together a four-tier, four-level shoe rack and one of those felt drawer storage units. That idea is close to my bosom. The idea of success, just being able to just success, yeah, tidiness, tidiness and cleanliness, which I I do hold close to my bosom. Uh, not meaning to one up you, but I'm now going to one up you, or attempt to. We'll leave it to the public to decide whether my DOI project is greater than yours. I finished today a brand new path in my front yeah, it's garden. better, it's better. <laughs> yeah. It <is. laughs> 
Tell us about the path. 72 slabs. 72 slabs of what? I don't actually know the stone, the cheapest stone that the local DIY store had because 72 of them are yeah. expensive. It's a path that leads from my front door to the front of my drive um, so that my wife can get the pram from our front door to the street without having to push it over gravel. It was built in haste. But how did you go about building this path? Uh, the Which is? <laughs> Digging out all the existing gravel and the soil that's underneath, um, putting down a new aggregate, uh, a sub-layer, compacting it down, and then laying a cement mix, four parts sand to one part cement, and then laying the slabs on that, and then using yeah, cement to fill in the gaps. That's what people tune in for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. First, first time I've laid the path, actually. It may have been completely incorrect, and we'll, we'll know after. <laughs> we'll know as soon as your wife takes out your child in the pram. And we'll just see if she makes it to the bottom of the path. And then we'll know whether, it, whether it's worked or not. I'll set up a website which tallies every successful <laughs> traverse. Haven't you got a um, doorbell that records? you got one of those Bing doorbells. Are they called Bing? Ring? Ring doorbells. Yeah. Ring. You just, Ring. Um, <laughs> the motion sensor on that. Oh, she's over. She's gone. She's down. <laughs> she's down again. She's down again. Oh, <laughs> we got distracted again. Who wouldn't get distracted um, by um, cement? So the idea is that you carry close to your bosom, Matt. Uh, you don't currently have any. I don't currently have any. We literally don't carry ideas close to our bosoms. So what I'm getting from that is that it's basically pointless. What about the boot is famous to the earth? Yeah, now this one I liked because I like the second bit, which is almost... <laughs> yeah, I like that, like putting down dress shoes. <laughs> yeah, which I liked because I hate a dress shoe, personally. They're uncomfortable. Now that I don't have to wear smart attire for work i've become a real advocate of the you're a slob you've become a slob wearing, yeah now that we're in lockdown i really am a slob i've basically worn tracky bees for months and i've absolutely no intention of going back to anything else but uh work-wise i'll wear, I'll wear trainers or I'll wear work boots so the dress shoe is long gone in my in my day-to-day routine and good riddance um that's my feelings on that so yeah the boot is famous to the earth more famous than the dress shoe which is famous only to floors i mean what's that about she's, i don't really i say well you use the boot in more areas than you use the dress yeah shoe. she's sort of again sort of just bigging up normality she's sort of anti-glamour because mm. she's saying actually the boot is yeah. better because the, the boot is more versatile, versatile. used to more scenarios therefore mm. it's more famous so she Again, valorizes, good word there, valorizes the normal versus the excessive, I would say. I like that. That really appeals to yeah. me. I don't want to jump ahead, but a little teaser. The last stanza, I love, absolutely love it. I agree with it. I bet you do. We'll come back to that. I bet you do. <laughs> so the bed photograph is a good one. The bed photograph is famous to the one who carries it and not at all famous to the one who is pictured. Yep, didn't agree okay, with this one, on. Matt. Did not agree... Unless the person who has the photograph and is carrying it is a voyeur and have surreptitiously taken this with a, a long-distance lens, then the person who's in the photo should be aware of his existence. I, I think I know... Anybody who's carrying a photo of me in their pocket, I think I could, I probably know who they are and what... Well, you don't know. You don't know about the legions of fans who've got little photos of you in their, in their wallets or the back of their iPhones. I don't think... I think it's quite unlikely that anybody's got a photo of me. Just not worth <laughs> I also like this one because you could argue that there's some sort of circular reasoning involved. 
where you'd be like, well, the better photograph is famous, the one who carries it, and not at all famous, the one who's pictured. Unless they're famous. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which famous celebrity would you have a picture of in your wallet? Taylor, 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 Swift. Taylor Swift would be in there. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not Taylor Swift? Taylor, call me. <laughs> <laughs> you could be on that long list of boyfriends. I tell you what, you know, you, I mean, you've known me for many years and she will get way more than one album's worth out of me. Way more. Oh, mate. She could go out with you one. You've got an album. And she's yeah. Got an album out 100%. Rollercoaster. I'd, I'd, she's set for the next three to five, I reckon, with, with me. Yeah. I imagine the first title of the track could be called Pinching. <laughs> I've really reined that in, actually, over the past few years. Do you know why? <laughs> good. I found well out done. it's not as funny to other people as it is to me. <laughs> no, I when you used to pinch me, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> it's so invasive. It's the most I totally, I, I 100% blame my father who um, did the same thing to me throughout my youth and adolescence and which I also hated so, um, why did so I carry why, that on yeah why did you carry it on who knows I it mean is it funny. is funny but there's a frequent recipient. there's also an age thing involved so it's like when when you're 23 and you're doing it to your friends it's sort of it's sort of okay maybe they won't like it but it's sort of okay but when you're like 33 you can't really do it in mm. the pub and shake that off Taylor reference no and also, by the time you get to 33, most people have got enough self-respect to turn around to the person who's pinched them and said, can you not pinch me, please? <laughs> I don't even know you. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've reined that in. Well done, mate. Thanks, man. So, yeah, that's what I thought about that. Why is it a bent photograph? That was my question. Oh, like, oh, it's been, it's been like, well-worn. Yeah, well well yeah. It's been in the, that's only just clicked, having read that now a few times. But in my mind... When I thought of photograph, it was in a frame. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a bent, twisted frame. Were you thinking, think how is Naomi Nye walking around her house? Naomi, <laughs> she have Nye. How is she walking around her house with a bent picture on the wall? <laughs> yeah. Just straighten it out. out. Get it sorted. Get it square. She then goes on to say, I want to be famous to shuffling men who smile while crossing streets, sticky children in grocery lines, famous as the one who smiled back. And I thought that was a very weird target demographic yeah. for a poet that's who she's targeting as a poet she's going to write it for shuffling men sticky children quite different or quite a broad demographic missing out a lot in the middle but I guess it's the last line of that one that's important I'm guessing yeah that's right it's just another reinforcement of the ordinariness that I think Nye is sort of all about in this poem she gets to choose who she's famous to in this poem she wants to be famous to shuffling men and sticky children which are uh, again very very ordinary but if, and famous is the one who smiled back, which I have a, quite a strict policy of not smiling back to people. I, I, I was born and grew up in London, so I have a healthy disdain for anybody mm. who even makes eye contact with me. Treat everybody with absolute <laughs> Right back at you, buddy. <laughs> Except for once, actually, when I used to work in Basingstoke and I was at the train station ready to, to travel home. And I'd had a long day and I was, I was busy. I was sitting on a bench reading my book. It's fairly late. I think it was like seven in the evening or something. There was a train in on the platform, but it wasn't mine. And I just looked up from my book and this teenage boy on the train just put his hand up against the window. <laughs> yeah, like Titanic. Like and looked me dead in the eye, like the Titanic. <laughs> and it was so funny. He put his hand up on the window in like a spread palm in like a, like I love you kind of a way. I couldn't help myself but laugh. And then I saw him have a little giggle. And then his friends obviously had a little laugh with him. They were sitting in one of those four. And I thought, yeah, well played, mate. 
You've absolutely nailed that. So I like to think I'm famous to them as the guy who laughs at their jokes. <laughs> this is the one, um, the one time. <laughs> and <laughs> the only time Rich has ever had a special human encounter. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the only, it's the only time I felt the warmth. Of the it was like, across the train uh, platform. Connecting, with, <laughs> separated by glass. Would you also want to be famous in the way a pulley is famous? Oh, absolutely. I can't think of anything better. And why, why would you want to be famous um, as a pulley is famous? Well, this is the note I wrote about this. The stanza goes, I want to be famous in the way a pulley is famous or a buttonhole, not because it did anything spectacular, but because it never forgot what it could do. And I think this is a lovely point and goes against modern celebrity culture. People used to be famous because they were able to do something and do it well. And I think it's good to be famous for having a specific function of being able to perform it brilliantly. I just find that very appealing as an idea. And I think she nails it in that description. It's good to celebrate when things perform their function correctly. It's good. That's a good thing to celebrate. We don't, we don't often celebrate the, the things that happen in the background. And there's no National Cam Day. National Cam Day? So I was using another example of, of a pulley. A pulley, a cam. <laughs> that's not what my mind went. I went to camera. I tried. Oh, shaft. What object would you be if you could choose to be famous as a pulley is famous? If I could be yeah. a famous object? Today. <laughs> that's pathetic. <laughs> That's embarrassing for you. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> How old are you? Twelve. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Such a childish joke. Can you ask me the question again? Uh, what object would you be if you could be famous like a pulley is famous? I think the humble mug. <laughs> There's only one mug here, mate. Why would you be a mug? A receptacle. Oh. Well, you love tea, so... Yeah, as yeah. previously discussed, I get a lot of use out of my mugs. Also, a good surface to display things on. So multifunctional. It's, it serves its main purpose beautifully, you know, as a, a beaker. Tea. But then also you can write, you know, witty remarks and put pictures of your favourite football What's club. What's your favourite mug in your cupboard right now? What could you want? My Wheeler Dealers mug. Wheeler, explain Wheeler Dealers. It's a TV programme, Matt, where they restore cars. Mike Brewer, Ned China. Shout out to the lads. Yeah, um, huge, huge respect. Yeah. Big Wheeler Dealer. I mean, my dad's a big Wheeler Dealer fan as well, so. Of course he is. Engineer, engineer isn't he? Engineer. Yeah, well, a shout out to those boys. <laughs> what would I be if I would be famous like a pulley was famous? What would I be? Something whimsical. Well, I'm trying to think of something functional, like along, you know, sort of along the lines of what you suggested. But I'll tell you what I'd like to be. I'd like, just like to be... Some sort of bolt. It's like you know, on a back garden gate, and just but like a, like a new one. I find it really satisfying when you, you just got one of those sort of straightforward bolts, and you just pop it just to the right. Everything sort of slots yeah. in really neatly, and you're just like, "That's great. I enjoyed the action. The gate is locked. That's the primary function here, but also the process was enjoyable. Yeah, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. that was the dead bolt though. You're right. You're on the shoulders of giants there, aren't you? The hinges. They are. Yeah, but again, that's very much me. I'm quite happy for someone else to do all the work and just me to me to fly through the air. Which is funny because that's not how this podcast works. <laughs> all the work. Do work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to hear a bit about Naomi Shahid? No. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, so she was born on March the 12th, 1952, in St. Louis, Missouri, USA. Uh, to a Palestinian father and American mother. During her high school years, she lived in Ramallah in Palestine, the old city in Jerusalem and San Antonio, Texas. 
probably not at the same time, different times, Mm -hmm. where she later received her BA in English and World Religions from Trinity University. She is the author of numerous books of poems, most recently Castaway, Poems for Our Time, which came out this year, 2020. Starring Tom Hanks. (laughs) Her other books of poetry include The Tiny Journalist, A Tiny Wee Journalist, Voices in the Air, Transfer, You and Yours, uh, and that one received the Isabella Gardner Poetry Award. And 19 Varieties of Gazelle, Poems of the Middle East, a collection of uh, selected poems about the Middle East. She's also the author of several books of poetry and fiction for children, including Habibi, for which she received the Jane Addams Children's Book Award in 1998. Nye voices a lot of experiences uh, as an Arab-American through her poems and talks a lot about heritage and peace. Her poems and short stories have appeared in various journals and reviews throughout the world. She has travelled to the Middle East and Asia for the United States Information Agency three times, promoting international goodwill through the arts. Quite a nice list of honours as well. They include awards from the International Poetry Forum, Texas Institute of Letters, Carity Randall Prize, the National Book Critics Circle Lifetime Achievement Award, and four Pushcart Prizes. She's been a Lannan Fellow, a Guggenheim Fellow, and a Witter Fellow. In 1988, she received the Academy of American Poets Lavin Award, judged by W.S. Merwin. Finally, she served as a Chancellor of the Academy of American Poets from 2010 to 2015 and is the Poetry Foundation's Young People's Poet Laureate from 2019 to 2021. And she lives in San Antonio, Texas. Quite a good list there. Yeah. Packed it in, didn't she? All these poets really have... They get a lot done. Yeah. What's interesting is a lot of poets... Uh, well, I suppose a lot of poets work in education or academia a lot of the time, so yeah. they're sort of lecturing and probably working on their own stuff in the quote-unquote free time. Got to go where the work is. Where the work is. But no, it was really interesting. It's good to learn about her. Um, like I said, although I haven't really, I didn't necessarily interpret the poem massively correctly. I did really enjoy it. There were elements I took from it that I really liked. It got my brain going. Got some imagery going on in my in my brain box which is always good. And so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was quite a sort of a simple and straightforward poem, but I think its simplicity was its one of its draws, really. So it draws you in, and then it sort of reframes fame a bit. <laughs> and that's good. That sort of tailed off that thought. It wasn't really good. <laughs> Are you feeling all right? It's been Probably just day. cut that bit out, to be honest. It's <laughs> got to stay in. Do you want to give us your engineer's overview of this poem? Yeah, sure. Why not? For those you don't know, I summarised the poem in a more succinct fashion uh, based on what I learnt from it. So here we go. Famous by Naomi Shihab Nye. Things are known to things that know them. Functional things are good. The end. Thank you, Rich. It's been a pleasure. Join us next week when we look at Sci-Fi by Tracy K. Smith. Do you have a well-known poem you'd like us to discuss? Or maybe you've written your own engineer's overview you'd like to share. And if you have an embarrassing poetry-related story, well, then you definitely have to get in touch. Go to poetryblokes.com forward slash submissions now to let us know all about it and you could play a part in the next show. 
Poetry Blokes is created and hosted by Matthew Adamo and Richard Gochran. Our theme music is Press Start by The Laszlo Project. Buy their music by going to bandcamp.com and searching The Laszlo Project. Our producer is Dominic Gore.